welcome along. This is the brand new series. It's episode one of series three of the Still Parents podcast with the Lily May Foundation. My name is Dan Kelly. I'm joined with, uh, as ever, with Ryan from the Lily May Foundation with uh, regular Matt Whitehouse. And we're also joined, first time on the podcast, he was with us at our Bear Grylls Adventure Day about six or seven weeks ago. Um, Nathan Ellis, how are, how are you, Nathan? Are you well? Yeah, really well, thank you, Dan. Can't complain, just uh, back in the swing of being back at work after being in the promised lands of the summer holidays for a few weeks. Oh, yes, you're, uh, you're a teacher, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the reality of being back is, is hit home, but no, I'm really good, mate. Thank you. It's good to see you. What is it? What is it you teach? I'm a PE teacher. Um, That's what you did, wasn't it, Rob? Were you a PE teacher? Yeah. Do you know what? I, I really, I got um, told off once for a, a joke about what PE stands for as a PE teacher. I actually went through a disciplinary at school because of it, <laughs> and I really wanted to say it then, but I thought. Shall or shall I not? Basically, somebody asked me what PE stood for, so I said pathetic education, and um, <laughs> it went down like the Titanic, really. With with who, my, who, give like, it, give us some context. Who who asked it? Um, so was, it wasn't like a wasn't like parents' evening, was it? No, no. Worse <laughs> than that, I was on a radio show. Oh, oh wow! Doing, um, I was doing a thousand pound minute on. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my old my old station, your old station, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, the presenters asked, well, actually, I think they coerced me because they asked me what PE stood for, and I said pathetic education, and um, the school weren't very happy with me. So, um, <laughs> but I can say it now because I don't work there. So, yeah, <laughs> you could have, um, how did you backpedal out of it? Was it, did you just say, oh, I was, I was reviewing myself, you know, I left, this it, is up the... to, I left it up to my union <laughs> rep, Dan. <laughs> I got yeah. away with, uh, with a written warning. Oh, wow. it. Yeah. So, well, here's a question I didn't think I'd be starting the podcast with, uh, straight away <laughs> to you, Nathan, seeing as you did the same job as Ryan, have you ever had a disciplinary with the school? No, never. I'm there a, you go. I'm one, a... one nil, Nathan. <laughs> consummate professional Dan uh, well brilliant listen uh, it's great to have you with us like I say it's the first episode of series three we uh, we're away for for the summer so it's been a while we've had a couple of months um, but we've seen each other uh, quite a few times we've got a lot to talk about but first things first if you're brand new to the podcast obviously feel free to go and listen to any of the episodes I think there's 12 uh, in total over the in fact 13 we did a special for over the uh, the first two series and just to give you a brief outline of it it's something that we started towards the back end of last year it was around november 2020 wasn't it and yeah we just um wanted you know with the i've, I've known ryan and amy for a few years uh working with them and, and the charity and ryan wanted to start a podcast just to raise awareness and make sure that everything gets put out there questions can be asked our very first episode was talking about the elephant in the room and had some brilliant guests on they're all there you can listen to those whenever you like and we're going to be doing more of the same throughout this series if you would like to to come on or ask a question whether you're watching live you can do through facebook i understand most people listen to this uh, when it's up on the podcast platform throughout the week so you can get in touch with us at any point and uh, we can deal with your question you can even even come on to the show at some point if you if you'd like that would be brilliant a lot's changed, actually, since we've been off, haven't we? Lockdown's over. Is this our first non-lockdown podcast? It is, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah proper, like... Pretty much. Le- yeah. Proper, proper um, lockdown. Yeah, football fans are back in the stadium, and we uh, can't buy fuel for love <laughs> and the money. Yeah. 
Nathan, could you could you tell us your your story? Obviously, uh, for being on the podcast, for you and the events, obviously, you can go into as much detail as you want. Yeah, however much you feel comfortable with you, with you and your other half flick. Yeah, of course. Um, and thanks for the opportunity to to do that. Um, I know, sort of, kind of through meeting Ryan and being involved with the charity um, early on in that process, Ryan sort of mentioned the podcast to me and. To be honest, in the early kind of weeks, I found it really difficult to even think about listening to it. Um, but over time, I, I did, and I've, I've listened to all of them, and um, and it really helped me. So, you know, the, the the kind of opportunity to be able to talk about what happened to us, and and if that helps others, um, it's just really nice to be able to do that. So, so like I say, you know, thank you to all of you for for having me on. Um, in terms of our story, really, I guess it kind of it's good to know kind of about our um sort of family makeup really and we've we've got a little boy Leo who's um two uh, and three in December um and you know he's a, a lovely boy beautiful little boy um and we just have so much love uh, within our family after having him that we we soon realized that actually um we wanted another child and um and we kind of put getting married on the back burner that that was more important than the, the than the wedding to us um at that stage so so we started to um to try again um, and, and sadly, we, we actually had a, a loss before Carter, um, and we, it was about seven months prior. Um, and it was a it was a missed miscarriage. Um, it was about I think I think we got to about ten weeks, but actually the, the little one had stopped uh, growing at about seven seven weeks. Oh, okay. Um, now, obviously, that that's really hard to deal with in itself. Yeah, you know, as, a, yeah. as a loss, um, of course. Um, so we we kind of we, we got over that the best we could. Um, and with COVID being the way it was, we ended up putting our wedding back um, to, to August yeah. of, of this uh, or of next year. So that gave us time to, to kind of to try again, and and, um, and obviously we ended up having Carter as a result. So we we were really lucky. We, we fell pregnant really quickly with Carter, um, and everything was looking looking really good. Uh, about 15 weeks in, though, um, Flick had uh, a really large bleed. And it was a, a time of, of sheer panic, as, as you would imagine. Um, yeah. You think the worst straight away. You think, you know, we're going to lose our little one with 15 weeks in. You think you're past the kind of the danger zone of 12 weeks. Mm. 12 weeks. That's you often hear that talked about. Don't you? you get through 12 weeks, everything will be okay. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Sadly, that's not not always the reality. Um, so we had this massive bleed, um, and we rushed in, and and they, they confirmed we had a bleed. They, they couldn't say why, but Carter was fine, and he was he was happy and healthy still, heartbeat strong. Um, but they said they'd have to monitor the, these clots they'd picked up on, on the scan. So we, we were a little bit worried, obviously as you would be, but relieved that he was okay. Pregnancy is a, a tough time anyway, isn't it? And especially when you've had any form of a loss um, while, while being pregnant, it does make it trickier. Um, you know, you, you want pregnancy to be that really happy, positive experience, but sometimes it's quite a challenging one, isn't it, for, for the people? That reality, isn't it? Yeah. How yeah. was Flick um, with all uh, during all of this? Yeah, yeah. As you alluded to, um, you know, really strong, but but you know, obviously anxious. We both were. We just mm. wanted to, to see him get here safe. Um, but, but then, yeah, at around 19 weeks, um, we 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 kind of had. Uh, well, we had another a scan and, and a check and, and we thought we were fully out of the woods because we um, the, the clot had kind of broken down, moved away. They, they were saying he was still looking great. Um, so so we were we were kind of on the moon, you know, we were like this is this is amazing. We, we can stop worrying. We can we can relax and enjoy the rest of the pregnancy now and, and just look forward to getting him here. 
Um, and then literally a week later, um, I was down at the park with Leo taking there. Flick had gone to the nail salon, you know, just a normal, normal weekend day. Um, and Flick was supposed to join us at the park and, and she didn't. And I thought, you know, it's really odd. She'd messaged saying, I'm just a bit, a bit of stomachache and I've gone straight home. I'll see you when you get back. Mm. I didn't think too much of it, to be honest, because we just had this really positive scan. You know, it could be anything, can't it? A bit of tummy ache, you know, not, not yeah. too worried. Um, but by the time we'd got home, um, so I went upstairs, Flick was in agony. I said, what's, you know, what's going on? She said, stomachache's awful. I said, she said, I'm sure it'll be all right. I said, look, you know, you're being tough, but I think we should just go in. Let's let's go in. Let's make sure we're all right. It's just not, you know, it's yeah. not worth risking, which we, we both agreed about. And so we, we started driving into a &E, um, and then en route, just a, another massive, massive bleed in the car. Um, and you can imagine at that point, you just... You can't believe it. You're like, yeah, you're just just in a pure panic. But so I was saying to Flick, you know, we don't know anything yet. You know, we're not panicking yet. Let's just get there. Um, but Leo's in the back, bless him. He's probably watching Paw Patrol or whatever he's watching, oblivious yeah. to it all. And, and there we are having a meltdown in the front. But so we got there and, and we went in and it was all a bit much for Leo to, to be in the room, really. He was finding it hard because obviously we were stressed. And so I took him back out to the car. And, uh, and then sort of, I don't know, 10 minutes, well, it felt like a long time, but however long later, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it was, flick message saying, look, it, it, there's a heartbeat, baby's okay. And I was just, you know, just pure relief. Thought, I, I, you know, I, cause I thought yeah. he'd be gone. You know, I thought we'd lost him. So pure relief. So, okay, no worries. That's that's good. I'll wait in the car with Leo. Let me know what's going on. Um, and then the next minute, literally a couple of minutes later, um, another call from Flick saying, you got to get in here. you got to get in here now because Carter's coming. And I sort of said to her, what do you, what do you mean? He can't, he can't be coming. It's like, it's 20 weeks. It's not even, mm. you know, it's not time. And if he, and if he comes at that point, obviously, you know, yeah, you know, he's not, he's not going to make it. So, um, so yeah, I was in a, in a real panic as you'd imagine. And, and from that point on, to be honest, it was just a real out of body experience. Can't, I can't explain yeah. it. It just, it just felt like you were mm. floating through it, you know? Um, I messaged some really good friends of ours. They rushed to the hospital and, and come and grab Leo up and, and took him home and looked after him. So from that point of view, we know he, well, we knew he was in uh, brilliant hands, which was, which was good. We could relax about that part of things. But um, then we were just in the moment and sort of got in there and I said, Flip, you know, what's happening? And she was being incredibly brave, I have to say, just an absolute mm. rock. I was in bits. I was tears. I just couldn't, I couldn't contain my emotions. That's not, not, yeah. not like me. Usually I'm pretty pretty steady away with my uh with my feelings but I was in bits but she she kind of got me through those kind of early hours at the hospital if you like and um yeah they said look we've, we've done a check and she's fully dilated and, and these cramps she'd been having was was active labor so she'd been there bless her in the wow. salon having her nails painted I think she's got a bit of tummy ache and she was she's was an active wow. labor, which is crazy really isn't it? because of course you wouldn't think anything you know 20 weeks you wouldn't think well, anything no. other than that no, and also um, Leo was was a C-section, so they could never okay, experience that. Right. There's no reference, yeah. No comparison to, to jaw there. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, we went in and said, look, she's fully dilated. And obviously at that point, you're panicking, going, well, what can you do? What can you do? And there's nothing they can do. It's too late. The process has started and, and it's and it's sort of too late. So like I was saying, you're just in that that haze at that point. You're not, you're not really there. You are, but you're not yeah. really Um and we kind of got moved to a ward. The staff are amazing, I have to say, really, really good. Um, but they moved us to a ward. 
And we were literally um, talking to the, the, the midwife, pregnant midwife, and saying, you know, what's going to happen? And uh, she said, look, well, it can be a process of hours or it, it, it can be a process of days and there's nothing we can do to make that quicker or shorter. So I was really struggling with that. I'm sure Flick was as well, but I was struggling with that from the point of view that one, I knew that he wasn't going to arrive um, in a in a way that would mean that we'd have him forever. You know, yeah. he wasn't going to make it. So to me, it was just my agony was being prolonged. You know, because okay. what if I all I could think was, is this is this is going to last days? It can't last days. And there was that part of me thinking as well. You know, if he comes in in hours, he's got a chance of, of being alive. If he comes in hours, if he comes in days, he's not going to arrive alive. And and, and and as I'm sure lots of people who've you know have had bereavements of this nature will know that if they arrive alive, it, it's there are positives to that. Um, yeah, which are hard to get into, but but there are. So that you kind of you're desperately hoping that it's going to be hours rather than days for obvious reasons. Um, of course. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, within, within sort of half an hour of that conversation, uh, Flick's water's broke. And then kind of an hour on from that, an hour of, you know, hard labor and uh, me with one crushed hand, which of course I didn't moan about at the time, but uh, we've, we've been able to joke about since, you know, Carter arrived and, and Flick, Flick was incredible. Uh, as I say, just, just an absolute rock. I was still, you know, a mess to, to be honest. And she, she was mm. just so strong and it needed one of us to be strong at that point. And it, sadly it wasn't me. I wish it would have been, but, but it wasn't. And they'd kind of told us, you know, when, when he arrives, it, it, he, well, he arrived alive was, was the first point, which was, which was a, a real blessing. Um, but they then said, you know, he, he could be with you half an hour. He could be with you an hour, but he's, he's little, he's, he's probably not going to be with you, with you longer than that. Um, but he was with us for four to five hours in the end, um, which was which was incredible. Just shows you how how strong and tough the little boy was. Mm. Um, and he was beautiful. He was a beautiful boy. He was he was a spit of, of Leo to be honest. Um, same hands and feet, similar facial features. It was so holding him, kind of knowing that it was temporary, in the sense of the physical him. You know, he's mine yeah. forever. Of course, he is. Yeah. Um, but that part was was temporary, you know, and that, that was yeah. hard, really hard. So, but it's again, I know you guys, you talked about the elephant in the room and, and some of the things that people can and should, maybe should say, shouldn't say. And, and one of the things that, you know, was said to me, sadly, by someone was, yeah, you know, it must have been, must have been a sign. It was something with, with Carter that wasn't quite right, whatever. And, you know, the, the, the reality was that for us, that that wasn't the case. And, and he was a really healthy, happy boy. Um, but actually, this this clotting that I mentioned before, it had, um, it created an environment where he wasn't going to be able to be sustained there anymore, um, yeah. and the clotting had, had started to essentially cause what could have led to sepsis for for Flick. Yeah, which meant that look, it was we we lost Carter and and we kept Flick. That that was basically how it would have gone down, and yeah. you know the, the worst case would have been would have been losing the pair of them. So. You know, there's no, there's no happy outcome there, but that you take the positive. We, we got him here alive. We got to hold him, love him, talk to him. Um, but it was, it was really tough. You know, you just, yeah. you're just in so much pain. There's so much love there, but so much pain clearly with that. And I, and I've spoken to Ryan at length in our sessions that actually for me in the aftermath of it all, it was, it was the guilt that was the worst for, for me for it all. And, and I, I imagine maybe that's similar for other bereaved uh, parents as well that. I just, 
so when when he was passed to me, I remember the brilliant midwife asking a, a very reasonable question, and, and she was incredible, as I said. And she asked me if I was okay, and I said, "No, I'm, I'm not okay." Mm. And, I, and I and I verbalised that that look, I, I just want him to die now. Um, mm. And this was I don't know, it wasn't that long into the four or five hours, but mm. and I said to Ryan, I know exactly why I said it because I knew what the outcome was going to be, and I, yeah. and I was in pain. Um, I was struggling to comprehend why flick deserved to to go through that um yeah you know, anybody that's met her will, will know that she's just the most beautiful kind person um so the so the pain of that was just was just tough it was i just wanted her pain to end i wanted mine to end selfishly as well you wanted it you wanted it to go away it's, yeah, I, mean, it, and I don't think that's something to feel guilty about it's i think that's probably a ryan and matt you can come in here i think that 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 guilt and is something that's completely natural, especially in the heightened sense of those emotions and at that time, the, the mental exhaustion and, and, and everything. Yeah, and, I, and, and we talked it through, Ryan, and I talked it through at, at length. And um, and yeah, and I know that I didn't, I didn't, it's just the fact that I verbalized it in front of, yeah. you know, my fiance and my, and my boy, That's and I can't take that back. That's that's what I've uh, kind of fought I, really I, hard I understand to, what to, you mean, yeah. I understand. Yeah, and, but, I, but I, you're right. I, I know that I shouldn't feel that way, but, it, you know, sometimes you can't help it. But... But like I say, you know, Fleet was a rock through all of that, and she she was she was just so strong. And then the, the toughest part after that, I think, was was leaving them both there. Um, obviously, I stayed until until Carter took his last breath. Um, and it was, you know, I'd said that the thing that I said, but then I had the the rest of the time with him. And and I think having the length of time we did with him was a blessing because it meant that I could almost relax into accepting yeah. to a degree that it wasn't going to be with us forever. And and so I needed to enjoy. Yeah and kind of treasure the time that I did have at that point. But it, it still felt such a bizarre sort of situation. Um, oh, yeah, so then the, the next toughest bit really was that I, I then had to go home and pick Leo up. And mm. you know, you've just gone from this really highly charged emotional situation, which clearly I'm still thinking about. But now I've got to go home and look after my two-year-old, um, which, again, I'm still very fortunate to be in a situation where I could go home to a two-year-old. You know, not everybody's got that. Some people lose a baby in the way that we did or in ways that have been discussed on this podcast before, and then they have to go home to essentially an empty home where, where they've yeah. got nothing to pick them up. And and in a similar way, Leo's been a godsend to us because it's hard to be sad. And, yeah, exactly. Two two years old, That that's it. They're, uh, they're business as usual from... Their yeah. viewpoint, isn't it? You want to come home and start mucking about and trashing the yeah. house and do, doing what two-year-olds do. Daddy, can you put this on Netflix for me or whatever it is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, before yeah. before I forget, there's one thing which you've said, which I notice it's a common theme with with the guests that we've had on. And I also just want to say, I think I think you're brilliantly strong. I think you've spoke amazingly well um, and gone into so much detail on that, especially with the amount of ups and downs in a short space of time. You know, the call mm. saying it's going to be okay, then it wasn't okay, and then so that 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 sort of emotional roller coaster you know, can't have been easy at all. When, when was this, by the way? Sorry, just to remind us when that happened. Um, well, this was, this was back in June. So we're, right. we're like, we're four months on now. So yeah. Yeah. Four months on to today, actually. So I know Nathan wouldn't mind me saying that I think Nathan was very apprehensive to start with when he came to, um, to see me for his first session. Um, I wouldn't say he probably, thought he was going to get out of it what he did actually get out of it in the end mate not necessarily the first session but over a couple and then also what he's gone on to you know do with us as a charity and so forth but i think the one thing that nathan's always been really good at 
right from the start, he's actually been really open. Um, he he was he was very open in what he said um, and wasn't afraid to be open in what he said and wanted to know if the sort of feelings that he um, was going through and and you know the the guilt and things like that was was normal. Um, and ultimately it is normal because, you know, that is part of the grieving process. And, you know, one thing that Nathan did very well is he embraced the opportunity to be able to talk um, and to be able to be open in his emotions, which is, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons, sorry, why we do the podcast, because we're trying to get men to talk. And do you know what, if you could put it, if, if you could put that into a, if you could put what Nathan did in those sessions, uh, and what he continues to do, you know, when I speak to him and things like that, and you could bottle it up and hand it out to men, it would actually be the perfect tonic, really, in regard to the ability to be able to be open and talk about how you're actually feeling. I it's hope just, I haven't given too much away there, Nath, but No, no, and, no, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the pair of us actually flick as well, because um, we, I know you talk and hearing you right that stereotypically it's a male thing, isn't it? Not wanting to talk, but like the two of us actually flicks the more kind of stoic, um, kind of keep it to yourself one at like the two of us. Um, so we kind of had to cajole each other to, to even think about engaging in, in support. Um, and I think previously I'd never really grieved properly about anything, but I, I kind of acknowledge that this was something that I would, I wouldn't be able to just lock it away in a box. Um, but I remember sitting at the Villamay Foundation in the car and I just arrived there and I remember sitting there thinking, I, I might just go home actually. I'm, I don't think I'm going to go in there. I, I'm just going to turn around and say that I, I got here and I, I didn't I didn't feel it in the end. But I managed to um, sort of force myself through the door. Um, what, like Ryan said, I wasn't sure at all what I was going to, whether I was going to enjoy it, get anything out of it, whether it was going to be worth it. I had that kind of idea in my own head that you know, you've got through bereavements before but obviously none like this but again it's like your your pride in a way telling you you can deal with this yourself but it was the best thing that I ever did and I'd recommend it to anybody because you know stepping in there and, and even just being able to unload everything and, and I think what helped was knowing that Ryan had been through similar loss mm. um the fact that we had so much in common as well was was a was a bonus as well we obviously we talked a lot about sport and and um, teaching and so that all helped but yeah, and, and on top of that, obviously, as I alluded to earlier, I work in pastoral care, and and you know, if I'm going to advocate for the children to to talk and yeah. and share with trusted adults or peers, then then who am I to to then not do that and go against my own advice? So it, it was the best thing that I ever did, and it's and it's got me to the point where I am now, where I can talk about the situation, I can get on with my life. The, the pain is always going to be there, but at least I can I can function properly now, and where I, I wasn't. In the early days, um, I was I was reaching out for all kinds of coping mechanisms, um, and actually talking was was the one that helped the most. Hmm. Um, so yeah, he, he's absolutely right. That's great. I think Nathan is also acutely aware that even though he's four months down the line, that there's no, you know, like sort of I'm fixed sort of thing. Yeah. It's more of a Nathan. Obviously, is now able to talk about his story, but he's also very opening knowing that you know there are going to be moments where you have ups and downs and things like that but ultimately he understands that being able to talk and being able to show his emotion is something that's be, that you know that's important to him as 
as he says, you know, being able to advocate, be an advocate towards um, the children that he teaches and, and the pastoral support that he offers as well. He's he's a very good self helper as well, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, which is why, again, it was important to to get him involved in the sporting activities that we did because, um, like I say, we had a lot of a lot in common, obviously. Um, but it also seemed that um, Nathan would be interested and, and want to take part in those sporting activities that we did. And I hope that he got out of it what we sort of aimed as a, as a group to get out of it, really. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I can jump in on that one, Ryan, because I think two, two things really, just going back to what, what you said, started about, um, you know, being aware of it, of not being fixed or it, it never being fixed. And that, do you know what, in the early days, that really frightened me because I didn't, I thought, well, I can't carry on like this. You know, but because I've taught, as you say, I can deal with it and, and keep going. But but then there's that that con- we've had reminders at different times of, of our loss. You know, and, and obviously we've got one of those coming up with, um, you know, National Baby Loss Awareness Week. Um, but but more kind of poignant than that was that Leo was aware that that we were pregnant with Carter. He knew what his name was. He used to talk about Carter being in in Mummy's belly, and then there was that whole. Well, we were. Now we're not pregnant anymore. But he doesn't really understand that. Yeah. Um, but we've got to a point now with him where um, so Carter's ashes are buried at a nearby church, which is on a, a running route for me, which is brilliant. We've managed to move our wedding unbelievably to, to the church so that both our boys can still be there on the day. Which just oh was wow, incredible. that's brilliant. I just, you just couldn't write it. I mean, I'm not. You know, I just it was it was crazy. Um, and again, yeah. that 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 saw me break down big time when when we got that news. But you know, we now when I go to to the um, church with Leo, he'll he'll go in and he'll he'll say hello to Carter. And if you ask him where Carter is, he t- he tells you he's, he's in the ground, he's in the grass. Yeah. Um. And he'll say, you know, be, be good, Carter, be good, and he leaves. So, <laughs> you know, and while that's hard, it's really nice as well. Um. But it's that like like Ram said, it's, mm. it still gives you that constant reminder. Um. But then as to Ryan's other point about the sport. I mean, the Bear Grylls day was was amazing. I can't lie, Dan. I was the same as you. I, I was petrified about swimming with the scuba stuff on, and I just <laughs> got on with it, and it was okay. But, well, but I was worried I about think, it. Yeah, it's a great idea to do it, Ryan, because, like you say, in those moments, you're not thinking about anything other than okay, breathe when you're underwater. <laughs> um, don't get eaten by a shark. I really enjoyed it. the The bit I struggled with was the high ropes because the heights I'm not too good at. And I know that you connected with that rope and the, the little chain thing, but obviously I look at it and went, well, mine's going to be the one that breaks because that's the way the, my brain was working. So <laughs> whatever else I was thinking of in that particular moment, it's not there, is it? So I think, um, and obviously you can't just go, I'm having a bad day, let's go to Bear Grylls. But it just exercise I find is, is good. That part where you're so tired or out of breath or pushing something that all you can think about is the next 10 seconds. Obviously that doesn't change the things that you still have to deal with, but it does put your mind in a, in a better place. And for those few seconds, your only thing you're thinking about is completing that particular moment. It's interesting because um, obviously I put out on uh, Facebook yesterday about how um, th- this month has, has already just all of a sudden crept up on me. It's bizarre because we were out yesterday afternoon and um, I've, I've absolutely no idea why this started to happen, but for some reason my legs started to hurt. And I, I don't know where it came from. I literally just don't know where it came from. We were just there. And, and, but then the way that my mind works is that I thought, right, 
if my legs hurting, I'm not going to be able to run tomorrow morning. And I went from feeling absolutely well, okay, to then like my head just went, and then I, I just then 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 I started thinking about Baby Loss Awareness Month, and then I started thinking mm. about. Um, the podcast and then I started thinking about the golf night and then I started thinking about the fact that I hadn't seen Callie last weekend and my mind just went the snowboard and yeah. and was and, it you when we were at Bear Grylls that I was talking to when we came out of the tank and we were saying something along the lines of that it was so quiet down there and like Dan's just said there the first thing you're thinking is breathe Right, mm. so you adjust your breathing, you get used all to it. All you can hear is those bubbles that would seem yeah. really loud. It's like, do I breathe that loud? Yeah, <laughs> but then all of a sudden, it's one hell of a lonely place because you can't mm. talk to anyone. Yeah. You, you know, you're signalling like this, Dan, to me, where we were doing Baby Shark, but then it's lonely. And, it, and mm. I found myself going into places, like some quite dark places, actually thinking, oh, my word, what's going to happen here if this scuba gear doesn't, you know, stops working yeah. all of a sudden. Like I'll be honest, I'm pushing you light away and I'm swimming to the surface. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. It's but, yeah, it's true because you all you can do is think. You can't talk. I mean, I know Ryan was quite happy that we were underwater at the same time because it meant for at least 20 minutes he wasn't going to get a voice note from me. <laughs> I didn't realize how difficult it was to walk underwater with that gear on until I saw the videos back and it looked like I'd had a few drinks. Oh, you were funny, man. You were funny. <laughs> it was like a half swim, half walk. I don't really know what it was, but it was an amazing experience for anybody who's um, near Birmingham. Definitely get there. And if you can get yourself, I think it's the only one, isn't it? But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. And there was a bunch of different activities down there too. But yeah, what Ryan said is it's very quiet, very peaceful, but it's so much life in there. Oh, <laughs> Wasn't there? There was about, you know, was there 12 sharks, about 400, 500 other fish yeah. going in there. So there was plenty of life going on. Yeah. But I can understand why you said about where your, your your brain might go, and then sometimes it does snowball into other into other feelings, doesn't it? At the time, but yeah, how did you yeah. find it, Matt? By the way, the high ropes, um, no chance, absolutely no <laughs> chance. Like I just, it was, um, I just is so far out of my comfort zone. Um, as soon as I get above my head height, that's me done. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Like, you know, Bobby, um, that's, there's an irony there. You've not met Matt. He's seven foot eight and he's scared of heights. Yeah. So. <laughs> he gets out of bed in the morning and he goes, whoa. <laughs> gets a nosebleed standing up. <laughs> yeah. What would you rather do, Matt? High ropes or skydive? Oh, yeah. A skydive? Yeah. Do you know what? It's really? funny because I'd skydive any day of the week yeah. than, than go back in that tank. Well, I'd skydive no. before the high before the high rope wow. skydive, and the reason being is because the thing with the with the with the skydive is that once you're in the plane, you're done because you're attached to this 19 stone bloke, wherever however heavy he is, and you get on that seat. He's only shoving you one way. Genuinely, <laughs> he's shoving you one way. That's it. Serious. Matt, it's not a good choice of words that once you're in the plane, you're done. Because that's exactly what I'd be thinking. No, no, no. But like, what I mean is like, you're done as in you've got no choice. You are there. <laughs> the high ropes. Mm. You, you, no, I hear you. The, I, think the, I think the high ropes is more, um, I think what you were saying, Dan, is that I know I'm attached to this thing. But one time that I'm not attached to this thing, I'm falling. Mm. It, it is bizarre how your mind works. And I think, I think the whole process of, of baby loss it it changes your mind i don't know whether ryan and 
and and and and Nathan will agree with this, but like it, my mind is different now compared to what before I lost before mm. we lost Cali. I, I just want to say to Nathan is that like you're in those early stages and and you obviously embrace them um, fantastically well. The way you spoke there, you know, I. I didn't have to say anything. I just sat there because it's like the way you talk is just it's mesmerizing. And what, what I mean by that is that you just articulate it so well. And I think that's going to be that's going to be your strength moving forwards. Because like I've said already, I don't I, I wouldn't have survived this without talking. You know, that's been my way of dealing with stuff. Keep doing it. Absolutely. Thanks. I mean, I think um, that, you know, that going getting involved with, with the Bear Grylls day on the on the first um, instance and starting to meet all of you guys. It's just, I mean, I didn't talk about anything to do with baby loss or anything like that at that Bear Grylls Centre at any stage. No, I mean, be fair, to be fair, Nate, the first thing we spoke about was my scab. So, you know, I mean, like, yeah. like, <laughs> And continue to, to, to yeah. do so in the sense. Um, but I think, I think my point there is that it was just about building some relationships to start yeah. with, with other men that you knew had been through yeah. the same and then... And then it's it's to the point now where, as you know, Matt, we've had message exchanges, which which are really, I find really helpful, and and just knowing that you've got that that wider network, not not just your immediate friends and family, but people that have been through it and understand it a little bit more perhaps than they can. Mm. Um, it's just it's nice. It's like an added security blanket, isn't it? And and I think whilst you know, I think Ryan and I met officially for our le- our last kind of counseling session for now at least the other day um i know that the door's open if i need that support again which again just makes me less scared about the fact that i know that the pain's always going to be there but, but it's okay i didn't, I didn't, re- I didn't realize that was our last one <laughs> well i think it was unless you're desperate to see me right but um in my mind it was like i said to you the door's always open but we did it slightly different didn't we we went for a curry instead so. yeah it was great it was great it's, um it's interesting what you said there, Nathan, because it was the first time I'd met you at the Bear Grylls Day. And and you're right, because, you know, it was how many of us? There was about 12 of us or so, more or less, mm. give or take. And, yeah, the conversation was, wasn't was on those those levels. It was just, you know, the, the guys that were together. But it's almost that that sense of being around, you know, kindred spirits, you know, because there is so much uh, familiarity with the emotions that you've gone through. <laughs> Brian's going to read out some messages. Just for anyone listening, going, that doesn't sound like Ryan, who normally listens to the podcast. Ryan, we, um, Ryan's very man fluid up today. So he's, he, I shouldn't really be laughing, but we're on Zoom at the minute and he's spluttering away. He's on mute. So he's, um, he's been on mute for about 95% of the podcast today. Just, but um, he's got some messages that I think have come in from, uh, we, we do this live on Facebook. If you are listening to the, uh, the podcast through an app uh, at a later point. When we when we go live, it's on Facebook. It's a slightly longer version, so you can message at any point. So are you, you're, you're right there, Flemmy Ryan? I'm all right there. <laughs> Stan, I'm all right. What have you got for us? <laughs> um, so we've got, uh, well, first comment is from Andy, who, uh, from Impactivity, talking about limits. We oh, yeah, Andy. On, Hello, Andy. Yeah. yeah saying... Uh, Six evening, foot eight, rugby player, only. not he? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, evening, lads. Good to see you back. Keep up the great work. Then we've got a message... Nath, a lot of them are aimed at you. So somebody called KJ Jane. So proud of you, Nathan. Then we've had a few blue hearts as well. Lorna Elizabeth, um, so proud of you, Nathan. Nicola, amazingly brave, Nathan. 
Thank you so much for sharing your story. Nath, uh, another one, Nathan, you have no reason to feel guilty. You're an amazing, loving dad. Um, and then another one from Amy saying, Dan, it's time to do a skydive. Yeah. Is that your Amy? That's my Amy. So I think she's, do you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she puts a poll out asking if you should be doing a skydive. <laughs> uh, well, when, uh, we'll, we'll see. Never say never. Never say never. Ryan's now back on mute. That that uh, talking for 30 seconds has really took it out of him there. Before we go, because I realise we've actually already nearly been on for an hour, flown by. I want to mention the wolf runs because since we did our last episode of uh, Series 2, we've done two wolf runs. Well, I've done two. I know you guys have done them before, but I um, I, I filled in for Matt on the summer I've one. Did, I've done the two, um, I've done two, two, just like you. Matt, Matt couldn't do one because he had a scab yeah. on his leg. I filled in for Matt because I got a call from Ryan saying, do you want to fancy doing the wolf run? Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Matt scratched his leg. I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying okay. nothing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds like, a guilty, sounds like a guilty conscience to me, doesn't it? The wolf run, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, it's 10 kilometres, um, there or thereabouts, and it's like obstacles and uh, assault course sort of elements attached to it. I thought it would be a lot of fun because I thought there'd be like a little obstacle about every 100 metres or so because running's not really my favourite thing. So we went and did it and it turns out there's an obstacle like every kilometre <laughs> and it's mostly running. So as soon as we went over the start line on the very first wolf run, we are straight into a, into a little lake. <laughs> so we're wet, we're soaked through the clothes heavy, over some hell barrels and I am finished. Uh, how far have we gone? And then Kai went, 30 metres. I'm like, we've got 9,970 still to go. But it's one of those things. And I think it goes back actually to what I was saying not so long ago. Though, you know, for the next couple of hours, I wasn't thinking about anything other than getting this done. And I was buzzing all week. I was in a world of pain, but I was buzzing all week afterwards. It was such an amazing experience. And we did the next one just a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Over in Warwick. Yeah. I've never, um, I know heard, I... anyone, I've never heard anyone wretch like you did <laughs> in a muddy bog. I'm not too bad with smells, but my word, that bog stunk. It was horrible. And my, my gag reflex is not brilliant. So once you start... And that, it just, it really, really smelt. I think Ryan was glad he was behind me. But sorry for anyone who heard those noises. Apart from that, though, I had fun. Um, Nathan was going to do the winter one with us. And then he chose to go and do his um, his wedding menu tasting instead. Uh, so, yeah. well, the next one's in November. That's, um, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. Although the first two that we've done are the easiest ones, aren't they? Because now we've got the winter ones coming in. But yeah. they, were, um, they were great. And again, it was for anyone... You know, listening to the podcast right now, it's something I'd urge you to to look up and get involved in. The next one's in November, and it was a lot of fun. It's it's a real challenge. It's not a race, is it? Loads of people were walking it. Um, you can run it. We were sort of doing a mixture of the two, and yeah, it was it was really it was really good. And yeah, it's strange because I'm having a conversation at a slight jog just before we go over like a a little rope swing thing, and I'm talking to somebody about um, about having a snip. I'm like, okay, I've just met you 10 minutes ago and now we're talking about chopping each other's... Well, we weren't going to do it. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> but you get the idea. Conversations were being had and, and it was just, you know, again, you know, mentally afterwards, mm. I, was, I, was in a, I was in a brilliant place. It was so much, it was so much fun. We're all going to be together next Friday, aren't we? And I think some of the people may be watching or listening to the podcast right now. <laughs> Tell us what's happening, Ryan. So next Friday is our annual um, charity golf day and dinner dance, which ordinarily would take place in April at the Belfry Hotel. Really looking forward to it. It'd be nice for everyone to let their hair down as well, because it is the first time, realistically, that a lot of people, I say let their hair down. I mean, I know I'm waiting for it. Down, but there's a lot there. I'm really waiting. Yeah. The, um, 
it'd be nice. I'll let my beard up. Yeah, put your beard, you could put your head on back to front. You'd be all right then. <laughs> and, and just on a slightly serious point with the charity now, everything's sort of, uh, well, is it is it getting back to normal now after post-COVID or uh, in terms of uh, what's coming up with the charity and, and anything that you'd like people to know? Yeah, so um, October, obviously, is Baby Loss Awareness Month, but between the 9th and 15th is Baby Loss Awareness Week. So we've arranged for a number of buildings around um, the Midlands to be lit up in pink and blue. So Central Library in Birmingham, uh, oh, town, brilliant. Yeah, Town Hall Symphony Hall in Birmingham. We've also got the Spa Centre in Leamington, uh, Town Hall in Leamington. We've got the Belfry, actually, the Lily May offices um, and HSBC headquarters in Birmingham as well. We're all lighting up in pink and That's blue. That's fantastic. Um, and we've actually got some um, social media posts going out tomorrow to let people know of lots of other things that are happening throughout that baby loss awareness week as well. So keep your eyes peeled on, on those. Fantastic. Then it'll be Christmas soon. I saw that I, I got wound up by Christmas advert on TV today. I was like, come on. Christmas no. on TV already. Yeah, it's October now, isn't it? I reckon they're telling people to stock up now because I think there's going to be struggling with uh, getting things on shelves. I reckon that's probably why they're doing it. I did hear yesterday that there's... <laughs> Maybe they're just trying to deflect us from fuel, but there was a headline yesterday. It did make me laugh because of two reasons. It was, there's going to be a shortage of pigs in blankets at Christmas because of delivery issues. The same thing. Anyway, right. I was in Al- I was in Audi yesterday afternoon in Bearwood, Birmingham, and there was millions of them. So calm down, <laughs> yeah. people. You're all right. Yeah. <laughs> there was loads of them. get a trend off here, Dan, couldn't we? We could <laughs> literally make people panic by <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah let's see if there's any pigs in blankets in Bearwood tomorrow they're all gone yeah <laughs> Kelly took them all brilliant listen um, Nathan thank you thank you so much for coming on by the way really appreciate it yeah no, um, thanks Dan it's, it's been like, yeah it's been enjoyable my pleasure so yeah like I said yeah. start, if, if it helps anybody then uh, exactly for it. Uh, absolutely that have a um, have a brilliant week, everybody. Don't forget, you can listen back to any of the other ones. And honestly, if you uh, know somebody who would like to come on yourself, any questions that you'd like to ask, we're, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch through the Lily May uh, website or their socials, which are... So, uh, at lilymay070210 on um, Instagram and at lilymay underscore UK on Twitter. And obviously, the Lily May Foundation on <laughs> um, Facebook. Brilliant. Get well soon, Ryan. Hope you're feeling better, mate. I will do. Thank you. Take care, everybody. And we will be back with episode two of series three of the Still Parents podcast with the Lily May Foundation in a couple of weeks. 